Welcome to PR360, a weekly public relations podcast where we bring on the best and brightest minds in the PR industry. We discuss the important topics that you need to know. Tune in every Wednesday to find out. Hosted by Brett Dicer and in partnership with Global Results Communication. Find more information on globalresultspr.com. And welcome to a new episode of PR360. And I'm your host, Brett Dicer. Please subscribe to PR360 on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Amazon Music. Leave a review. It really does help with the rankings and let us know how we're doing. And subscribe to YouTube for these lovely video episodes as well to see our lovely faces. And to see the lovely coffee cup in them in there too. But this week, I actually have Neil back. He's back with us again for number two. This is round two. So he liked us so much. They came back, which we're always appreciative of. Appreciative. But if you didn't know, he helps businesses or he helps make businesses innovative in digital transformation, their sales and marketing. He also is the founder of a digital marketing consultancy called PDCA Social. And he's written several books, which is always great to see an actual author with us as well. So welcome to the show, Neil. Hey, thank you so much for having me. I'm honored to be here. Yes. And since we've last spoken, have you actually gotten any new brews of coffee that you actually like? Is there something new beyond what we did a couple of years ago? Yeah. So my taste in coffee, it's really funny because we're all work from home now, right? I mean, I was always sort of work from home and we had an espresso machine. And this, we got the Nespresso machine, that, for those of you that are familiar, the DeLonghi, that makes the lattes. So I was like a big soy latte, then moved to almond, and then fell in love with oat milk. So I've become this huge like oat milk latte person. And I realized, though, with the amount of coffee that I drink, and when you drink a latte, it's like half milk, that I was consuming a lot of oat milk. Like I seriously thought that I was gaining weight because of consuming too much of this. So I also realized that the coffee, just when I tried to find alternative sweeteners, what have you, just, it didn't really taste that good. I found myself going to Starbucks to buy coffee and that was not good, not sustainable. So I went out uh, about two months ago for the first time. I bought a just standard coffee maker, but has a built-in grinder. So I have fun, you know, trying out different beans, grinding them myself every morning. Um, And I found a, I had a trip to Waikiki last summer with my family and we went to a place called the Sunrise Shack, which is really famous for acai bowls. It also something called Bullet Coffee. And it has a lot of, you know, uh, nutrients and minerals and it has like a coconut oil. And so I found probably the powder that they used at a local pavilions. And I used that with some stevia and no milk. And it's healthier. I've, I've seriously lost weight. I'm not joking. Um, and I really enjoy the experience of brewing daily coffee and of trying the different coffee beans that they sell on Amazon. So, uh, yeah, no complaints. Coffee life is better than ever. It's true. I usually do honey because of the allergies. So people Mm. don't know honey is basically a natural allergy medicine because it has, as long as you do local, let's be specific. If you do local honey from your local spot that you're at, honey actually does help with your allergies because it's all the pollen inside the honey. Plus it's a natural sweetener. So yes, my daughter is my daughter's a high schooler, really the TikToks and stuff. So she's always making these like, you know, these, these like matcha shakes and stuff like that. And she will add honey in lieu of sugar or agave, even healthier. Um, but absolutely, honey is, is definitely a natural student. And when I have like a sore throat, I would just take a teaspoon of Manuka honey and just eat it. Uh, and that always does wonders. Nice. Yeah. I mean, there's so many different coffee brands 
out there. I mean, I usually said, actually, when they interviewed me on the on one of the episodes, I said Stumptown's Kenya coffee was the best one I ever had. It had like a huge green apple taste in it. It was like all green apple. Wow. It was the most green apple I've ever tasted in coffee. Okay. Uh, I think I saw that on Amazon as well. So, I'll, you know, this is this Coffee 360 podcast is amazing, right? <laughs> <laughs> hey, PR people and coffee, it's like a match made in heaven, I always say. Yeah, it should be at least. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I gave a brief summary of your expertise. Can you give us a little bit more for our listeners who may have not actually listened to the last episode? Sure. So I have been around in the social media marketing, digital marketing scene since about 2008. Uh, I published two books in my early days about LinkedIn. I launched a social media strategy consultancy right here in Orange County, California, in Irvine, right uh, near where, where your office is. And over the last, you know, now it's been 13 years, uh, you know, I've been passionate about helping businesses and professionals in various ways. So I've written a few books. I speak at a lot of events. I teach at some universities. Uh, right now, my signature uh, sort of service that I offer businesses is what's called a fractional CMO consulting service. I also for smaller businesses or solo practitioners or, you know, marketers, content creators, I have a mastermind community that I launched in April of last year. And when you interviewed me, it was about my fourth book called The Age of Influence, which is all about sort of reimagining influencer marketing for today. And I'm actually working on my fifth book. Uh, I hope I can publish this year, not sure, but that's going to be more of a more of digital marketing reimagined from a social media marketing perspective because I am a social media marketer turned digital marketer. So really excited to get that out there. It, I hope it becomes like a playbook of sorts that every company can follow to get impactful results. Nice. So if you're out there, you're looking for a new marketing book or his old books, you should check check his stuff out. But Thank you. Yes, as always. But we talked about Clubhouse a little bit last episode and it was still, it was the darling of what was going on because it was new. No one else was doing it. Now fast forward to now. And we have Twitter spaces doing it. We have Facebook trying to do it and we have LinkedIn supposedly doing it as well. So has your opinion changed on Clubhouse a little bit? Because it seems like it's falling a little behind to at least Twitter spaces. Yeah. So I am not. Okay. If you listen to podcasts, Every once in a while, you're going to run into someone who's like, you got to be in Clubhouse. I've gotten so much from Clubhouse, et cetera, et cetera. From my perspective, we recorded that podcast shortly before coronavirus or like, you know, during the initial outbreak in Q1 of 2020. In Q1, well, yeah, in Q1 of 20, yeah, no, yeah, Q1, man, time is like really weird right now. Um, But but basically, there was a time in the early days where Clubhouse, yeah, it was actually 2021, my apologies. Anyway, you might have to edit that out. But uh, the net net is that in Q1 of 2021 to Q2 is when Clubhouse peaked. Clubhouse went a little viral among certain circles. I started getting pinged by people that don't even do a lot of social media. They wanted a Clubhouse invite. And there was this whole like aura around it. And the people that I know that got results from Clubhouse, I even have a testimonial from one of my mastermind members who met me on Clubhouse. So I know that it can work if the people are there and it's in the right room, what have you. But I really think with Q2, with the emergence of Twitter spaces, you know, everybody is now, um, I was at Podcast Movement, a podcast conference in the summer last year, where, uh, is it Fireside? Mark Cuban, he was there talking about his app and everybody gets into the game. The thing though is, you know, we could say that the emergence of TikTok is a product of the coronavirus pandemic. 
You can also say that apps like Clubhouse are a, a result of that as well. Because at the end of the day, with Clubhouse, number one, you can't multitask. I love podcasting. A lot of people listen to podcasts because they can multitask. I listen to podcasts while getting ready today in my car, what have you. You can't really do that with, with Clubhouse and, and that sort of app. The other thing with Clubhouse is the quality control. So I was in social media, but I was engaging with a lot of people who are like, you know, there's no like real profile attached to them, like with LinkedIn. You don't know where they're coming from. You don't know what experience they have, but they're creating this aura that they're like this hugely successful person that's made lots of money or made other people lots of money. So there was a lot of, you know, clubhouse sort of scams that went on. Now, in between, there were a lot of great people meeting other great people. And probably this notion of social audio will remain just like you have live video stream, you have live audio stream. But, you know, compared to a live video stream, you probably get way more views in a YouTube video after the fact, after it's been archived. And, you know, Clubhouse has added the feature where you can archive these social audios. You know, there's way too much content out there. If people want to engage live, they will. But most people just don't have the time to engage live unless it's something very special. Mr. Beast is doing a special one-hour giveaway of $10 million. You must attend the live stream to get it. Yes, people show up, right? But for most of us in business, it just doesn't work that way. So I have really, you know, I, I am a big proponent as I write this next book about evergreen content. Evergreen content is archivable, searchable content. Your real-time Clubhouse audios are not. Your YouTube live streams that get archived into a YouTube video are, and podcasts are. And podcasts, I think, have only grown. So if you're thinking about doing Clubhouse, I would wholeheartedly say, first do a podcast. I think you're going to be a lot more impactful. I know that um, obviously global results uh, communication that are, are the sponsors of, of this podcast, they realize that. And that's why they've invested in this for some time now. That is where I put my money. Because once you have a podcast versus a Clubhouse audio, although you could do the same with Clubhouse, once you have a podcast, it can also be repurposed, right? You can do the YouTube video. You can write the blog post. You can create little video and audio snippets for social media. Clubhouse, yeah, you might be able to, but you're not in full control of the conversation because of just the way it's, you know, it's really funny. I'll just end here, Brett. You know, I had like, I, I would invite one person up to become like a speaker and they would like invite 10 other people up. They were like groups of people that were going from like room to room, right? Influencing conversations and people that thought they were influencers because they were moderators. And it's just, it's a weird world that I think, you know, if you're a content creator, solopreneur, if you want to just network and learn, it's great. But for businesses and for PR, I just don't think it's worth the investment today. I would say the same about Twitter spaces. You can you can be on impact on Twitter without Twitter spaces. Um, that's, you know, so I think we've evolved a lot since then. And I think like anything, when things just start, like Google Plus, um, you know, stumble upon MySpace, there's a lot of people that evangelize it and not really get into it. We're seeing that with NFTs, by the way. But you need some historical perspective to understand its lasting impact. TikTok, absolutely. We have enough historical perspective, as short as it is, to know that it is extremely impactful and in some place that every brand needs to consider presence on, either directly or indirectly through influencers. Social audio, I don't, podcast definitely. Uh, Clubhouse, you don't need to worry about it. I never recommend it to any of my clients today, if, if you were curious. Uh, I'm curious, but I mean, what you're like deep in the podcasting space. And what has your experience been with like Twitter spaces? And, and I, I mean, the fact that you're asking me this, I think you know that Clubhouse has sort of fallen in terms of pop. You just don't hear about it. Um, Twitter spaces I hear about now and then, but you know, what do you think? I mean, 
from myself, I have it, but I never really used it because I was trying to figure out how to use it. And my big thing is the audio quality on your phone is just awful in general. And so using your phone to record something can be good and bad at the same time because it's easy to do, but you have no control of your audio. I mean, at the house, uh, at my house, I have the Rodecaster Pro, which I could route my basically my phone audio into a microphone. <laughs> but that's expensive. That's $600. And that's what some people are doing. You know, and that's, it's just, it's not what it was intended for. So you can try these hacks, but at the end of the day, yeah, it's, it, yeah. So that's, it, it was just sort of this hacky environment atmosphere. Um, and I mean, there were some interesting experiments. Like I would join this one Japanese room. It was a radio station. It was a radio station over Clubhouse and they were publishing music. And you have like a DJ talking, like how that's sort of, that's sort of unique. So it's sort of, you know, a Spotify-like experience. So there's a lot of interesting things you can do with it, but it really depends on the members and your objective. And during the heyday, you know, there were some real people in there, it was active. There were some genuine conversations going on, but for every, you know, one or two genuine conversations, there were rooms where it was just, people were just there to try to make money off you, try to sell you something. And yeah, I just didn't like the vibe. Yeah, I mean, I always said the clubhouse needed to actually have a partnership with LinkedIn to make it more of a, I guess, a clout thing, but still make it more like, hey, this is where professionals go. But I think they missed the boat on that. And so now everybody, now LinkedIn's trying to copy them. Yeah. And they had a chance because Elon Musk and there were others that actually professionals appeared. That was one of the, hey, you can rub shoulders with, you know, with venture capitalists. And yeah, they definitely had that going for them at the beginning. I agree. LinkedIn is trying to copy them. Like I said, I mean, LinkedIn Live doesn't really get that much viewership. So I can't see a LinkedIn audio room doing it. And, you know, they have newsletters. So, you know, LinkedIn's doing their best to try to attract creators, right? But I don't know. I, you know, real time, unless you have a really, really huge audience, like a Mr. Beast or a Pat Flynn, where you can call people over to a live stream or like a home shopping network, and you can get, you know, a few hundred people there to watch you live because you have several hundred thousand in your audience then it makes sense. But if not, you know, as far as a repurposable content, sure, right? If you don't want to go into a studio and shoot YouTube videos, do a LinkedIn Live, plan it in a way where you can cut and, and splice them into separate YouTube videos and then repurpose. That's a great utilitarian purpose for a live stream. But the social audio, you know, podcast, the expectation is it's sort of like studio-like audio and it's pre-planned, but the delivery, it's, you know what I mean? It's, it's just a different paradigm. So uh, yeah, I think, I think the conclusion is pretty clear. Um, I mean, if you're doing everything else, every if you're on TikTok, you're doing you. If you've maxed out your, if you've done everything, then sure, go for it. But if not, I think it's going to be more impactful investing your time in these other channels than with social. Media. I mean, the other thing I was going to say is that I think they didn't understand Twitch because if they followed more of a Twitch roadmap, they probably would have actually been in a better spot because Twitch did what for gaming for live streaming what no one else was doing at the time and so if they actually followed their more of their roadmap of pivoting and trying to figure out how to do more creator tools so they could like i said moderate the people who are actually talking then i think it would have been a better experience and then add like desktop or laptop tools so you could use an external mic and not have to route it through your phone amen brother i totally agree so what could have been should have been uh, it is what it is. So yeah, uh, but hopefully businesses listening will will understand what we're talking about, and and no more do you have to wonder 
huh, should we be on Clubhouse? Should we be on Twitter Spaces? It's just, you know, those things are really for content creators. And I think that's really interesting to see the emergence over the last two years. I mean, I call them the influencer because every influencer is a content creator, but the emergence of the influence that content creators have because social networking sites realize they need content in order to keep people there to sell ads to. So, um, you know, th that's what the, th that's where people are going. But does every business need to become a content creator? Yes, you need to publish content. But do you need to do the same things that content creators do? Not necessarily. And this is a great example of one thing where let the content creators spend their time there. You could be more impactful with other things. Mm -hmm. And then, like I said, we I was about to say about the decline of Clubhouse and Twitter spaces, because I do see a lot more Twitter spaces and it is specific to industry. So, for example, the crypto community loves Twitter spaces for whatever reason. I have a friend that's in that space. and He's like, yeah, we get like thousands of people. So could even that stuff be specific to an industry to be actually be successful? It could. I'd say Twitter is unique because we've always had Twitter chats on Twitter. Where people come together every week at a certain time. So a Twitter chat becoming a Twitter space is a natural and, and a welcome evolution. So I, I would question in that certain industry, did they before have a Twitter chat? Was there a crypto chat that was already really active? In which case, yes. So there are some businesses that do do Twitter chats. If you're one of those businesses, then yes, that is a great use for Twitter space. And then obviously, you need to be able to read the atmosphere. You need to be able to read the room. If you find in your industry, when you do social listening, you do analysis of hashtags, what have you, that there's a lot of conversations about a Twitter space, then yes, that, that is always the best answer, right? So there's always going to be niche industries that, hey, this one uses Pinterest, this one uses TikTok, and your, your mileage is going to vary. But yeah, if you find that, like that example, then yes, you, you should definitely at least look into it more. And I want to remind businesses, the same with Twitter chats, you don't necessarily need to have your own. You can engage authentically in those of others as well. And that's a great strategy. Mm -hmm. And even moving on for Twitter, I've seen that they're testing out a downvote feature. So how are businesses going to pivot on this one? Because now it's like people can show you how just how much displeasure they have for you. So, I mean, this feels like this is going to be like a, almost like a be cautious about your content because you could get downvoted or ratioed as the other term for it. And didn't YouTube also get rid of it? And then, you know, Instagram hiding likes. And there's just, you know, it, it's really, really interesting. Um, I, I do think that the algorithms are always trying to figure out a better way to, to show you the best content. And the more input that we give them, the better. So I hope they keep it private. I don't think people need to see accumulation because then you have bots that can, if they can affect, you know, political elections, then yeah, if they have they want to go after someone they can do it pretty easily so hopefully twitter realizes that all right and then i mean how can brands adjust to going live or just doing the live video or doing the tiktok because like, like you said tiktok is one of those things where it was what last year the mo the number one searched url link so how do how can brands move to that because i'm pretty sure brands are still trying to figure out how to do tiktok for the most part i agree i, I think it comes down to what my advice was a few years ago with Snapchat. And when I was writing, when I began writing The Age of Influence, it was back in you know, 2018, 2019, published in 2020. But during that time, you know, Snapchat had already started to decline. But this was the first time that companies actually had account takeovers. I mean, imagine giving up your account to someone and letting them like manage it and post content. That's actually what happened on Snapchat. That's where we saw the likes of, you know, Logan Paul with Sour Patch Kids and 
there were a number of really famous brands that had influencers take over their account. I think it really begins with educating yourself. If you're not a TikTok user, you're not going to get it. Now, those of us that have children that are TikTok users, we actually learn a lot from them, right? I have conversations with my daughter all the time about this, but you need to use the social network in order to best understand it. That's step number one. Step number two is, I think that, the, you know, the natural way to start publishing content is to engage with influencers, is to look at people in your market that are already talking about that. Now, for those of you that listen to the episode on influencer marketing, I talked about this brand affinity model. You might, if you're a big consumer brand, some of your fans might already be on TikTok talking about your brand. Those are the people you want to reach out to first. But if not, who in your industry or, you know, in, in something related to your product or service, who is already talking about similar things? Those are the people you want to reach out to. And you want to say, hey, you know, we, we want to get started with TikTok. We'd love to collaborate with influencers. We need help with content creation. Do you work with brands? Now, TikTok is one of the first, and I think right now the only, with the exception of YouTube, YouTube bought a company called FameBit, which was an influencer marketing platform for YouTubers. So I think that YouTube, if you spend money with them, uh, they introduce that to you as, as, as an advertising. But TikTok has an open marketplace for influencers. I have some of my clients who for $100 will hire a TikToker to create content for them. Um, the results are mixed, right? Depends on a lot of different things as you can imagine. But that is absolutely how I would start. Rather than you making your own content and immediately a TikToker sees and they goes, oh, that's content coming from a boomer or that's content coming from an irrelevant brand. That's the worst thing because the TikTok algorithm is really hit or miss. I mean, you either make it big or you don't make it at all. So in order to have impact, you know, I would start really slowly. I think, you know, take it 90 day by 90 day approach, 90 days, every day check in. The TikTok algorithm is actually the best algorithm at introducing new content that you like, right? It, it, it's magic. And the reason is they don't care who you follow. They just assume you follow no one, right? So followers don't count on TikTok. It all comes down to the content, the content you engage with. So whatever your interest is, you know, a good friend of mine works at the Orange County Transportation Authority. And before the Orange County Transportation Authority here locally in California had social media accounts, he created one for his dog. He created a Facebook page for his dog. And that's how he experimented to figure out, you know, he ended up friending other dogs, what have you, to figure out how it works, what content's engaging, what have you. I urge you to take the same experimental approach to TikTok. Just wind the clock back to how we all got started. Do that for 90 days. And then from there, either create your own content or work with other influencers. You know, TikTok also, what a lot of social media marketers have to realize is we're used to creating content outside of the platforms. We're used to using Canva or, you know, we're recording this podcast over, you know, Riverside.fm, right? We're used to using these external tools, but TikTok has all the tools you need in the app. So you can't use a third, I mean, you could use a third party tool, but TikTok works best when you use what's inside and everything that you need is inside the tool. So that's another tip is really get really, really, really familiar with that tool. Look around at all the other videos and try to imagine how to use it. Yes, there are some external tools. Do some YouTube searches. I found some, you know, some 15 year olds talking about how they did some pretty cool stuff on their TikTok video using some tool, but it's all out there. You just got to invest the time. There's no shortcuts for any of this. And I guarantee you, if you can become really good at creating short term, short form video for TikTok, you now have YouTube shorts, you have Instagram reels. You have Pinterest idea pins. You have Google web stories. This is the type of content that everybody loves. This is the type of content that's going to go best in the algorithm. So this in 2022 is where you should be investing 
your social media marketing, your content marketing, your content creation R&D. It's in this exact thing that we're talking about. Mm -hmm. And then moving on to basically Web3, I'm starting to hear more about Web3 or 3.0, which is basically more focused on community, NFTs or non-fungible tokens and all other fun stuff. So are we starting to see a beginning of that? Are we starting to see a little bit turning into more community focused marketing or we are, are a lot of podcasts jumping the gun on this web three? Yes. Yes. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to say it's great. I think it's complete BS. It's Facebook rebranding and trying to remain relevant. And with this whole them trying to say, this is the future, right? Um, now everyone's jumping on the bandwagon and we've seen this so many times. When blockchain emerged, all these social media people became blockchain experts. We saw it with Google+. We saw it with Instagram in the early days. Some, some of the experts are experts. Others have sort of fallen off. But we see it with every new technology. Everybody wants to be first. And the thing is, though, they're evangelizing that it's the next best thing without really proving its value because there is no value yet because it has no track record. So I would really be careful. Now, I do know... I think the whole community, and like I said, it's BS. And I think the NFT thing is interesting because it, NFT is a currency, right? NF, NFT is tied to money. That's a little bit different, right? And the thing is, NFT is a digital currency. So only if you have digital currency like Bitcoin could you even purchase it. So I actually had an interview on another podcast where I interviewed uh, the guy who is a CMO for a company that is working with brands to create NFTs. And for instance, you know, if you're a Disney lover, yeah, why not get the NFT of like, you know, limited edition Snow White NFT as an example. But, but I asked him point blank, who is actually buying these? Because you need to be investing in Bitcoin to be able to buy them. So because you can't use Bitcoin, is this sort of a way of that very, very small percentage of people that have Bitcoin, is this just giving them a way to use it, right? And he goes, yes, basically everybody who buys it are already investing in crypto. So there's your answer. It, it's a very, very small percent of the population. And it's creating a lot of, you know, a, a lot of noise. And I guarantee you, when people start to trade NFTs, and the minute people start to lose money is when it's going to get really, really interesting. Because some people see this as an investment vehicle. Obviously, the evangelizers, it's not a Ponzi scheme per se, but the evangelizers evangelize it. It drives up the price and they probably got into the bottom. So you know, I, I see Facebook sees this and Facebook's move to meta is they want to, they want to launch NFTs. They want to become center of, of crypto, of NFTs. They, you know, they wanted to launch their own crypto. I don't think they're going to do that anymore, but clearly the way that I see it, when you unpack all the nice looking PR around it, that's what it's about. And they may be successful. I don't know. I do not invest in crypto. I'm not investing in NFTs. If a brand wants to create an NFT to go after those people that have cryptocurrency, I think it's a really smart idea, right? Especially for consumer brands. But I am, I'm just saying, look, you know, you can sort of do all that or you can do everything we've been talking about, you know, the YouTube videos, <laughs> the blogging, the podcasting. Um, you can create communities today in Facebook groups. You should have a community for your influencers. Yes, is community sort of the future of, of marketing business? I mean, it, it always has been. And I talked about that in the age of influence as well. So there's a community aspect, but I consider community marketing something very different than Web 3.0 meta. I mean, we had Second Life, right? What's the difference? The difference is the NFT. The difference is going to be money involved. So I would urge you all, really think hard when you see someone talking about NFTs, right? Really you know, examine it closely because that's going to involve money. 
And I don't know if, you know, there are these apps like Patreon and stuff, right? That's the use case scenario. Well, if you're going to give me a $5 tip for Patreon, why don't you purchase my NFT? So yes, I, I you will see content creators pushing NFTs because they can monetize it. But I, I would just say tread really, really carefully, at least for the next few months until we see more. So I'm not buying all the hype. I'm not going to say it's all BS because there are some trends here that I talked about that that are real. But is this some fundamental evolution of the way we use social media? No, it's the it's really the the adding of crypto and NFT to social media, replacing buymeacoffee.com, replacing Patreon as a new revenue source for different people and potentially for brands, right? And th- that's where I see it going. Hopefully that makes sense. I don't see a lot of people talking about it this way and I wish they would because to me, it's pretty clear. Yeah, I mean, always be cautious about something. I mean, NFTs sound interesting because they're digital and they're you can mint, quote unquote, mint them. I have researched a little bit of this and there are, there are repositories like OpenSea that allows you to easily do it. So there are some ways of doing it, but I don't, I'm still confused about it at the same time. I know, I know a good amount of it, but I'm still very confused on it. Even cryptocurrency, there's like millions upon millions of coins that you never know about because cryptocurrency is just that it's digital. Exactly. And it's a currency with, with American dollars. It's based on a gold standard. And it is highly traded. You know what you're going to get. With crypto, you don't know. I mean, you can invest in crypto or you can invest in the stock market. You can invest in real estate. To me, you know, crypto NFTs are more about investing than they are about social media. Although there are some, including one person in my mastermind community who is a social media marketing teacher who has a module about NFTs and social media. So as a branding uh, effort, you know, it, it does have some value. And with more people using cryptocurrency, yes, there's probably more value. But um, yeah, it, it is a little bit different. And, um, you know, is it right for every brand? Like I said, of all the different things you could be doing in digital marketing, I don't know if I'd be focusing a majority of my time on this. Yeah, if you have a huge budget, you're trying to figure out new ways of engaging people, you want to engage people that have cryptocurrency, NFTs, it's a no-brainer. But for most businesses, just generally speaking, it, it's still very new. And as you said, there's there's dozens, I mean, hundreds, if not thousands of cryptocurrencies out there. There's easy ways to create repositories. Will people buy it? And I would also say, as a brand, does it devalue you when you sell an NFT? I don't know, right? Um, does it discriminate against those people that don't have NFTs? You know, there was a story about Julian Lennon, I believe, who recorded like himself singing or like talking and that became an NFT. Well, he could have done the same thing with, a YouTube video and made it private for his community. So what about those other people who don't, who don't invest in them? What, what do they get? So it raises a lot of really, really interesting questions that I think we still need time to go through and figure out. So I would just be very cautious at this stage. We're obviously recording this in February mm-hmm. of 2022. Situation may change really quickly, but that's, that's the way I see it today. Um, and I mean, it, I, as always, it depends on industries because I could see like collector's edition stuff being digital and physical and doing like a almost a merging of that or uh, trading cards, sports cards, like, Oh yeah. Like baseball cards and stuff. Like there are some use cases where it could work, but they're few and far between. Well, that's where the, the product is the NFT. Like the baseball card is now becoming a virtual that. Yeah. If, if that industry, the collectibles, that's a no brainer, right? Um, yeah. Buy a CD, get the free MP3 edition on Amazon. It sort so, so And, you know, collector's edition, 
you know, additional twenty dollars get the you know the limited edition NFT. Like, I, I can see that happening um, if if the content is the product. Let's put it that way, um, which is a very very small minority of industries. But yes, they do exist, and that is something to definitely consider. Mm-hmm. And so, like I talked about, community based marketing. Are we going to see more of like a I guess a more focus on that because of just where social media is going and where everybody else is going. Everybody's looking for a community now because we've been locked up for two years or more, depending on what happens. But are we seeing more of a, basically a more focus on that type of approach because of current situations that's happened? I would say the talk about community is less about COVID, although that, that might, looking back historically, that might have an impact on it. It's more about with a new generation, and you know, I almost think Black Lives Matter may have been the start of this. People want to work and buy from companies that they feel are aligned with their values and interests, right? Well, mainly values and culture. And it's really interesting. I'm working with a, a B2B large enterprise. And as part of that consulting engagement, I'm sort of analyzing these large B2B enterprises and what content they publish on social media. And they're all diversity, LGBT, Black Lives Matter. This, before COVID, I don't think these companies, I mean, they may have been talking about some of this stuff, but clearly not to the extent, you know, highlighting gay executives um, and, and this sort, right? I don't think this existed until very, very recently. So, and, and they do that for a reason, right? Because it, it means a lot. It, it means a lot, not just to those people that are part of that, you know, that, that say that they are part of that movement or part of that uh, population. But also others who go, oh, well, if they stand for those people, then they're good people, right? Or there's some on the, on the other side of the political spectrum who say they're bad people. So you can go either way with this. But, but I, I think that's the beginning of this. And people want to feel like you know, they're investing in the company when they buy their product. And companies, on the other hand, should be realizing that when they can tap into their customers. Now, I started talking about this, like I said, the age of influence. When you can connect with your customers you can get more user-generated content for your social media. You can you know, tap into true influencers that are already your brand advocates. I think most importantly, though, you're tapping into a user focus group. You're tapping into people that are, that are there using it. You can get like their opinions, right? And you can uh, you know, use them as a user focus group for your product. Instead of investing money in interviewing you know, 100 random people, why not tap into the community you already have? So when you look at it that way, you know, the community is just a no-brainer aspect. Definitely COVID made us seek out community more because we couldn't physically meet up. So in terms of general community, yes. And content creators are now, and I have my own community, Digital First, we're all sort of creating communities. But businesses should absolutely have it. And most businesses, you know, have had elements of communities. There's a company called Jive Software, I believe, that had like a, a community product you know, complete with like message boards that a lot of companies, B2B companies bought out. Um, so, so yes, it, it is a great way to engage. And I think even when we go back to normal, however long that's going to take, that community is still going to be an aspect for those reasons. So it, you know, if you haven't done it, you really need to look at how you can start to do it. And I always say, start with your brand advocates, your fans, your followers, uh, and, and your employees, and, and really start to create something around that. You know, if you begin with a Facebook group, you could begin with an event, it could be a virtual event, but when you bring people together around your brand, magic's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And I mean, where do you see social media going in the next five years? I know previously it was still about TikTok and everything because when we last talked, TikTok wasn't, it was popular, but it wasn't as popular as it has gotten. Definitely. 
Well, I mean, short form video is a preferred content medium for a younger generation that is influencing every single social media platform. So that's that's something that you, you have to have. And the, the biggest trend in social media, and I actually published a podcast episode just two days ago where I, I revealed my results from 2021. And if you're trying to generate traffic from social media, those days are over. Now, we know that Facebook has always become pay to play, but these new you know, short form video content mediums, there's no linkage. It's more like top of funnel brand awareness. It's more like the billboard that you see on the freeway. It's a, and then if they're interested, they see your name, they may search you up on Google. Or they may go to your profile and they may click on that link in bio. But that direct linkage, you know, social media platforms to survive, they need to keep people on their platform. The biggest platform we see the difference is Pinterest, where everyone I know that has been active on Pinterest seems severe drops in traffic. I, I would say the same in Twitter. The interesting sort of um, sites where the traffic drop hasn't happened, where it's actually increases, LinkedIn is definitely one of the unique ones. LinkedIn also makes money from jobs. They make money from LinkedIn Sales Navigator. So they can actually give a little bit more visibility to people and businesses in their feed. And that's why you see LinkedIn you know, uh, getting more engagement than say Facebook might uh, for a company page for certain industries, certain businesses. But definitely we're, we're, we're seeing more and more of this, you know, what happened 20 years ago was all this time we spent on TV is being spent on the internet. YouTube was grabbing the video market share. You had entertaining videos, you had educational videos. What we're seeing now is the, the entertaining videos are really going the way of TikTok, Instagram reels, and even some of the really, really short how-tos. But the long-form educational content is still where YouTube's going to shine. So I, I would say you still need YouTube and podcasting and obviously search engines like Google still need blog content. So th this is sort of the tenet of my writing, you know, th this new book about digital marketing and the role that social media marketing has, it's in developing relationships, right? It's seen social media as a marketplace of people, of all the different people you can engage with and develop relationships from influencers to employees to subject matter experts. And I think when, you know, as a PR professional, I think it's an exciting time because it sort of goes back to 10 years ago when we started with social media, it was mainly run by PR people, right? And then it turned into a marketing thing. It's the marketing thing that sort of, I'm not going to say ruined social media, but I think it's going to come down more of one-to-one -one relationship building with people that have impact, like your customers and influencers, than it is a one-to-many message because those days of, of having effectiveness with that message, uh, I think are dwindling. So I, you know, I, I would urge any company to just do a, you know, go into your Google Analytics, look at your source from social, and just compare 2021 to 2020. Um, I'm assuming most of you have already done this, but it just it bears repeating, right? Now, what's interesting though, and the reason why I still do what I do on social media marketing is my conversions have actually increased from social media. So I'm constantly trying to tweak the content, right? Have more photos, have more videos try to do more short form, but try to make the content more aligned with my community, with audience needs, with, with, with you know, what people search for when they're on these networks. So I, I think that is what's resulted in actual more conversions. So there's still, you know, a way to get value out of social media, but I think the pendulum is swinging, you know, definitely to that one-to-one -one relationship building. And that's where I would sort of, you know, short form video, 
one-to-one relationship building. And for traffic generation, just you need to really look hard at your content and realize that you just need to be more impactful with every message, every link, every photo, every video. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, basically, if we're going to do buckets, it's video, but split the bucket into short, long, and figure out a way of doing that. Plus, don't talk too selly, basically. It almost seems like we're going into a 90-10 instead of an 80-20 type of scenario. Because it used to be 80-20, 20% sell, 80%. But I feel like it's going 90% don't sell, and then 10% sell. And then podcast, but then Facebook has their own podcast specific thing now so yeah you have this like audio video some written content maybe pictures but pictures are going not very well on instagram anymore it's more about your website i think with pictures kind of still shine on that but instagram they said themselves they're not a photo sharing app i mean people still share photos but they obviously want to become they're competing with tiktok so yeah i mean to me it it gets very simple and this is why i'm writing this book because i don't think people see it this way but it you know it comes down to search email and social email is something we haven't talked about at all but regardless of how these platforms change if you don't have people on your email list you just can't directly communicate with them at the cadence that you'd like to you don't have that control right and we can't forget about search engines you can't forget about number one google number two youtube and number three i would argue you know apple podcasts spotify these are huge search engines and more and more people are looking for content, looking for podcasts. You know, Joe Rogan is making headlines these days for various reasons, but um, podcasting is now sort of, you know, maybe not as important as as the, the textual search of Google and the YouTube video, but, you know, podcasting, what's amazing is it gives you the chance to reach out to your customer, to reach out to industry experts and say, hey, I want to interview you. So the ROI of podcasting isn't necessarily in the downloads. It could just be in the networking and the community building. And I, I really believe that it has value for almost any business to launch their own podcast for that reason. All right. And fun question for you. And I know I'm preaching to the choir here. But. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> True. But if you could create any new digital art, not just NFTs, but anything new for digital art, what would you create out of that? Oh, man. Well, you know, back in university, I was originally an art history major. So um, I would like to see modern day renditions of some of these you know what would mona lisa look like in coronavirus <laughs> what would the background look like i think there's some pretty cool stuff we can do to reimagine our past in the present um and in doing so learn more about art and art history but also have more insight as to what we're experiencing today so that would be a really cool project for someone to pick up all right thank you oh actually final thoughts for listeners wow um you know we really covered a lot here so i think if you just go back and listen but i you know i urge you you know with your PR efforts with your marketing efforts. Just remember, you know, I, I like to say, and, and I think PR professionals will be really excited because I'm, I'm not a PR professional. I mentioned this in the first part. I'm, I'm a marketer, right? I'm a, I'm a salesperson turned marketer. But I really think that, and sort of the subtitle for this book about digital marketing is going to be about the more analog you are in your approach to all this, the better your results are going to be. It's all about relationship building. And I would argue that it's relationships and social, it's relationships with your email subscribers, with search engines, it's still relationships with the viewers because that's going to affect the R. But sometimes it's relationships with the algorithms themselves, that, that SEO optimization, which I still think is critical. So it all comes down to relationships. Hopefully, if you're listening to this, you're smiling because you're a PR pro. Um, and and I, I really do firmly believe that. And that's sort of the future. So double down on what you've been doing, but expand upon what you've been doing. Reimagine relationship building. 
in these new social media networks and in these new content formats. Nice. That's a good way of finishing off. But thank you, Neil, for joining PR360 and sharing your knowledge about social media and digital marketing and PR. It's been a pleasure and an honor. And if anybody wants to find out more about my thoughts and, and you know find out more about my book, everything is at just my website, neilshafer.com and real Neil, N-E-A-L. And then it's S-C-H-A-F-F-E-R.com. I welcome you. And I'm also Neil Schaefer everywhere on social. Feel free to reach out and say hi. All right. Hopefully you guys will do that. But thank you for listening to PR360. As always, please subscribe to PR360 on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Amazon Music. Leave a review. It really does help with the rankings and let us know how we are doing. Plus subscribe. Hit that bell as well so you get all the newest updates. And as always... Join us next week as we talk to another great thought leader in the PR industry. All right, guys, stay safe. Get to understanding socials, maybe a little NFTs and community marketing and being one-on-one intentional with your customers and see you next week. Later.